0: in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: What surprised you about Baltimore's struggles and what impressed you about the Chiefs' ability to get back to the Super Bowl with lesser offensive talent?
2: Yeah, where was the running game for the Ravens, man? I I don't I I could not figure out why the Ravens were not running the ball. It was the clear weakness of the Chiefs' defense was the run, especially on power concepts, and the Ravens just weren't doing it.
3: Do you think it was a case of them outsmarting themselves? Where you know one of those they expect us to do this, and and maybe we'll do the thing they don't expect, and then at a certain point, wouldn't you just get to it even down a score? You know, as the game started to go on, I, I, again, Aaron, I, I can't figure it out here. I'm trying to figure out why.
2: Yeah, I thought to myself, maybe they're going to come out in the second half and they're going to run a bunch and be like, see, you didn't think this was coming because we didn't do it in the first half. But they didn't do that either. So, yes, I think they outsmarted themselves. It was the clear weakness. It was the clear thing to go after. And it's not like the score got so out of hand that the run went away. In fact, the first time Gus Edwards carried the ball early on, he had 15 yards, and then they only handed it to two other times.
3: So, Aaron, to, to your point, I generally loathe when you know Monday Morning Quarterback style somebody just looks at the number of rushing attempts and goes, "They didn't run the ball enough." Establish the run and use things from the '80s and 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 even before that. But this is the Ravens specifically. That's kind of my gripe there. If a if the a team Chiefs, and right. the Chiefs defense
2: specifically, yeah. yeah.
3: And, and that's kind of my point here. Is this is more Ravens DNA? Who they are, who they've been, and how successful they've been at doing it. I think that's kind of a, an important distinction here.
2: We had them as the number one running offense in the league, and we had Kansas City, I believe, 27th in run defense. It makes no sense that they did not try to run the ball more.
1: Well, so here's another part of this, and Aaron Schatz is with us from Grant and Danny. Play calling was very strange, no doubt about it. They had six traditional handoffs to running backs all game and only three of them on early downs for 17 yards those numbers are inexplicable. You can look all season long at their carries by running backs. This is like a quarter of what their average was for the season. And as you said, it, it wasn't out of reach really at any point all the way through the game. But That all said, what I was bothered by watching the game, if I'm a Ravens fan, why didn't Lamar Jackson leave the pocket? Like Todd Munkin doesn't have to call runs for him to go make plays. There wasn't enough design running for Jackson for my liking, especially on some short yardage opportunities after their initial fourth and one went for like 30 yards or whatever that was. But I thought Lamar more than almost ever that I've seen him was almost dictating that he was going to stay in the pocket to make throws rather than leaving and making plays.
2: Well, he was like that all year. I mean, he scrambled less often this year than he had in past years and it worked well for him. So I kind of understand that. I'm more concerned that, like, they didn't do designed runs for him, I think, rather than the fact that he didn't scramble more. I mean, there were a couple of plays where I was like, should take off here, dude, like, go. But um, overall, I mean, he's, you know, everybody said play from the pocket more, play from the pocket more. And so that's what he's done all year, and he's going to win an MVP because of it. So it's hard to, like, tell him to change that all of a sudden this week.
1: Sure. I just think the last couple of weeks, a lot more rushing yards, rushing attempts for him uh, in these previous games and certainly in playoff successful games for him than yesterday. Uh, how about the Chiefs' defense and Steve Spagnuolo? I mean, they've been the best defense in terms of avoiding points allowed in the second half all year, and man, did they do a nice job in their secondary. What a collection of corners they've put together.
2: Yeah, I mean, they—they they, it's a good you know, it's good coverage and they bring, you know, the pass rush is, is not, it's not, you know, Chris Jones is special, but for the most part, they're doing it with scheme with Spagnolo scheme, but you know, Mahomes did not do much in the second half. The Ravens defense really shut him down. So the Kansas city defense really won that game in the second half by not, by not letting the Ravens do anything.
3: Let's go to the NFC game here. Uh, outside of the emotion and heartbreak for Detroit. How did that comeback happen? I mean,
2: uh, were, first of all, look, San Francisco, we all thought was the better team going into the game. So it would make sense that, in, you know, they, at some point they would start playing better than the Lions did. And then there were a couple of weird bounces of the ball. There was the bounce of the ball off Kindle uh, Vildor's uh, helmet into Brandon Ayoub's hands. And then there was Jameer Gibbs's fumble. Jameer gives fumble was the most important, probably negative play. For the Lions, for all the discourse we're having today about fourth down decisions, the real problem was Jameer Gibbs fumbled and handed the ball to the 49ers in scoring position.
1: Aaron Schatz, our guest on Grant and Danny. Check him out on social if you haven't. A great Twitter account with great NFL numbers and information at a NFL S-C-H-A-T-Z. Uh, in that NFC Championship game, the big story afterwards, it became you know, a huge referendum on analytics and going for fourth downs, as you know. I mean, what did you make of the aggressiveness of Dan Campbell? He kicked at the end of the half rather than going for a touchdown. Then he went for the fourth and two with a drop. The fourth and three after that left potential six points on the field, although there's no guarantee Badgley would have made those kicks. Where are you at on that discourse?
2: Right. So the first thing is there's no guarantee they would have made those kicks. They were 46 and 48, which are kind of long. And Michael Badgley does not have a great record on kicks of that length. Uh, But the other thing is I like the decision to kick the field goal before halftime, because one of the things that's valuable about going forward on the goal line is that if you fail, you give the ball to the other team in terrible field position. But right before halftime, that doesn't matter. You don't get that bonus. So it makes more sense to kick the field goal. The other decisions, listen, uh, most analytics have it as sort of a toss-up, right, where it was it was probably either way would have been if you felt like it was the right thing to go, you should have gone. And if you felt like it was the right thing to kick, you could have kicked, um, which means it's not that he made the wrong decision. it's He made his decision. And it's funny because after the game, Campbell didn't reference analytics. He referenced the kind of things that coaches usually reference when they talk about why they don't go for fourth downs. They, they talked about the mood of his team and, you know, where the game was trending and how he felt about the plays that they had to run. And, um, you know, he danced with the one that brought it and he's been aggressive all year and it's been really good for them. And it just didn't work out mostly because uh, Josh Reynolds dropped a pass on fourth and two.
3: Aaron Schatz with us here on G and D. What do you make of the discourse around that? I mean, when, when something doesn't work, regardless of which way you happen to lean on uh, matters of football decision making, I always find the discussions pretty annoying, but I know as somebody that's, you know, pretty involved in, in analytics and data and the like, what have you made of the sort of fallout post Dan Campbell fourth down calls?
2: I mean, the first thing is I don't that the idea of take the points assumes that field goals always go through. And that's not true. The longer the field goal, the harder it is. So that's the first thing. You know, kickers are not 100% trustworthy.
1: Yeah, Badgley's 9 of 20 in his career from 48 or more.
2: And then, you know, we we all want to blame coaches for doing things that are a little out of the norm. Oh, if he had only done this, if he had only done this. Okay, if the game had been tied at the end, the 49ers would have had the ball with the chance to drive for a field goal. Or it would have gone to overtime, in which case the 49ers would have been favored. I mean, there are a lot of people in the football world who act like the goal of football is to get to overtime, not to win. Hmm. You play to win the game. That's why you play it. As a famous man once said, you don't play to go to overtime.
1: I did not have Aaron Schatz giving us a Herm Edwards impression. I would have lost all the money there earlier today, but here (laughs) we are. Uh, Aaron, before we let you go, let's look ahead to the Super Bowl matchup. I'm sure you've been diving into some of the early numbers, uh, what kind of trends, what's noticeable in terms of some matchup things that you found?
2: My first indication, my first feeling was to go with the Chiefs because the Chiefs' defense has played a little bit better in recent weeks and the 49ers' defense has played a little bit worse in recent weeks. Now I'm sort of leaning the other way because if you look a little closer, it turns out that that is all product of Week 18. Right, the Chiefs' defense looks a little bit better in recent weeks because Easton Stick is terrible, and the 49ers' defense looks a little worse because they sat everybody against the Rams in Week 18. And if you take those games out, those defenses look about the same as they've looked for the whole season. Right at that point, your your both running backs should have a lot of success because both of these run defenses are weak. So at that point, you're really like it's either Brock Purdy and all those 49ers playmakers against the magic of Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and it's really hard to pick, pick a winner between those two. I mean, you know, if you want to go based on regular season numbers, it's no question you have to favor the 49ers, but I do understand the argument that Kelsey has something special and that he does really seem to lift his game in the playoffs and that that would – would be a good reason to pick the Chiefs. It's a really hard game to decide
3: which side to go with. Aaron, thank you as always, man. Great info. Enjoy the Super Bowl in a couple weeks. Thanks a lot, guys.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
0: There's joy in every journey. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan
2: Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis
0: on your favorite teams. And lots of hot takes
2: order order in the court
0: follow and listen to queens of the court on the free odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts